This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 60, The Godhead. Last time, we began the portion of the Bhishma Parva that is called the Song of the Lord, or Bhagavad Gita. The scene is the morning of the great war at Kurukshetra. Arjun asks Krishna to drive the chariot between the two armies so he can have a good look at what they're up against. Krishna takes him before the enemy lines, and what Arjun sees are his countless kinsmen, teachers, and friends, all lined up to fight him and his brothers, to kill or be killed. At this moment, it becomes crystal clear that the Pandava's victory will necessarily rest on the corpses of the flower of Indian chivalry. Furthermore, there's a clear contradiction in Arjun's dharma. His born duty is to defend his brother's rights, in battle if need be. But all humans have an ancient duty to obey and defend their elders, teachers, clansmen, and friends. Now, to defend his brother's rights and establish justice, which is Arjun's dharma, he must kill his gurus and his elders, which is obviously taboo. Thus, Arjun is confronted with the conflict on two levels. Ethically, he has a duty to execute this war and to win it. But in order to do that, he will murder his teachers and kinsmen. Dharma and ethics aside, Arjun must kill the people whom he loves and respects the most in the world. He simply cannot bring himself to do it. How can he lift his arm to strike Bhishma, the man who had raised and mentored him like a father? The conflict cannot be reconciled. Better to be killed or run away than to go forward with this odious task. Dropping his bow, Arjun sits on the bottom of the chariot, unable to fight. Fortunately, Arjun has the best possible advisor to show the way out of this dilemma. Still, it is no easy task. So far, Krishna has shown us the illusory nature of what we call reality. He has given us an idea of what reality is, and outlined a meditation technique whereby we might come to ultimate understanding and eternal salvation. The question he has not addressed so far is why should Arjun go forward with this at all? If this world is unreal, then what is the point in doing anything at all? What does it matter if Arjun refuses to fight? So what if he is forever scorned and ridiculed? Scorn and ridicule don't exist. But don't worry, Krishna will answer this question too. But first, we should understand better who Krishna really is and how we can know him. Krishna said, None of the gods nor the sages know of my origin, because I am the source of the gods and sages. Whoever knows me as unborn, eternal, and lord of the universe is rid of delusion and freed from all evil. Those who are devoted to me and dedicate their actions to me are always contented and happy. Arjun said, I don't doubt you, but please describe your many manifestations by which you exist in the world. On what objects should I meditate? Krishna answered, Well, I'll tell you my main manifestations, since there is no end to all of them. I am the soul that rests in the heart of all beings. I am the beginning, the middle, and the end. Of the sons of Aditi, I am Vishnu, of lights, I am the sun. Of the gods, I am Indra. Of the senses, I am the mind. I am death that takes everyone and the source of what is yet to come. Nothing can exist without me. Whoever possesses splendor, glory, or might is made from a spark of my brilliance. But what's the point of going over all this? I support the universe with a part of myself, yet here I am with you. Arjun said, Wow, man, you're really amazing. I don't suppose you might show me a peek at what you really look like. I bet it's pretty cool. Come on, let's see it. Krishna said, Very well then. This will be too much for your mortal eyes, so I will give you divine vision. Behold my majestic power. Krishna showed Arjun his supreme majestic form. 
shining with the light of a thousand suns, Arjun Dhananjaya saw the entire universe contained in the body of the God of Gods. Filled with amazement, Arjun joined his hands together, bowed his head to the God, and said, I see all the gods in your body, among many other beings. I see you on all sides, infinite in form. I can't see where you begin or end. I see you with your diadem, mace, and disc, shining too brightly to look at, unfathomable. I see you with the moon and sun for your eyes, and blazing fire for your mouth, scorching the universe with your splendor. The space between heaven and earth is filled with only you. And I can see those sons of Dhritarashtra, and all these armies, and Bhishma, and Drona, and that son of Asuta, and all our best fighters, all rushing into your gaping maw like a flood torrent. I can see some are stuck in your teeth with their heads smashed. These heroes of the world are all rushing into your fiery mouth like rivers pouring into the sea. They are all rushing impatiently to their doom. Have mercy. What the hell is going on? Please explain this. I don't understand what you're doing. Lord Krishna replied, I am time, the destroyer of worlds. These warriors are fully ripened, and I am here to bring in the harvest. With or without you, these armies will soon be no more, so don't worry about that. Just get up and do your part. Conquer your enemies and enjoy the spoils of victory. Leave the rest to me. This war and their doom were all ordained by me long ago. They shall all perish, and you will be my instrument. Drona, Bhishma, Jayadratha, and Karna too are also my instruments. Kill them, for I have already slain them. So don't hesitate. Just get up and fight. You will soon conquer your rivals in battle. Having witnessed the stupendous vision of his friend's original form, Arjun could not stop trembling. He bowed down again and again, paying homage to the Lord. Arjun said, Oh my God, I can't believe I never saw this before. Now it seems so obvious. I've been palling around with the ultimate Lord of the universe. You should be revered by all people at all times. I can't believe that I used to treat you just like some dude. I cringe to think I used to joke with you and consider you my equal. I feel so stupid. Please forgive me. Oh, and could you also please revert back to your mortal form? Seeing your divine nature is beginning to freak me out. Obligingly, Krishna resumed his mortal appearance, which is all anyone else could see. He explained, Because you are my pal, I let you see my supreme form. No mortal has ever seen me like this before. No human can see me like that except you. Not even the hardcore priests and sadhus can attain that vision and remain alive. So calm down. It's just me, your old buddy Krishna. Arjun relaxed a bit, now that Krishna was back in his human body and smiling down at him. Krishna went on, That was just a special sneak peek at what I really look like. When you come into my presence by the normal route, I assure you it's not so scary. Arjun asked, Well then, what is the best method for getting to know you? Krishna replied, There is not just one way of getting there. The best way is to keep your mind fixated on me at all times, with constant discipline and supreme faith. Fix your mind on me only, let your understanding settle on me, and you will dwell in me alone. But if you have trouble focusing your mind like that, then try using normal yoga to help your concentration. And if you're having a hard time keeping that up, then dedicate all your actions to me, and you will attain perfection by your actions. If even that proves difficult, then be sure to practice meditation, and let go of your attachments to outcomes. Faithfully stick to your dharma, and leave the rest up to me. Remember, knowing is better than thinking. Meditation surpasses knowing, and the relinquishment of attachment is superior to meditation. Without attachments, you'll find peace. He who sees that consciousness abides in all things and survives death can truly see. 
He who sees this unity underlying all beings and all things becomes himself united with Brahman. Your true self is imperishable and eternal. Although it dwells in the body, it does not act, nor is it tainted by your actions. Krishna then went on to expound on the forces that seduce the soul into a fascination with the illusory world we call reality. These forces are called sattva, rajas, and tamas. Like the term shankya and yoga, he does not provide any specific definitions for these terms. So once again, I'll leave it to you to study this more deeply and try to find your own understanding. Suffice it to say that these three terms, known collectively as gunas, are the forces that bind the soul to physicality. Sattva represents our attraction to learning and happiness. Rajas is the passion that keeps us involved in the world. And tamas powers our crude, low-level impulses. Tamas drives our search for comforts and bodily satisfaction. Every creature possesses some combination of these three inclinations, and you may know people who have a particular inclination toward just one of them. While all three gunas play off attachment and lead to further attachments, the influence of sattva is clearly preferable to a life dominated by passion or indolence. Nevertheless, all three inevitably lead to rebirth. But if you have a strong sattvic influence, you may at least expect to be reborn in a spiritual environment with ample opportunity to move beyond the gunas and achieve perfection. Arjun asks the obvious question, how does one break free from the influence of sattva, rajas, and tamas? Krishna said, one transcends the gunas when you are not perturbed when they appear and you are not disappointed when they go away. One becomes indifferent to pleasure and pain, has the same attraction to dirt clods as to gold, and cares for neither praise nor dishonor. Individuation occurs when an eternal part of myself enters the physical plane and acquires the five senses and a mind to process the senses. As the soul moves from life to life, body to body, it takes its senses along with it, into and out of each incarnation. Fools only see the physical body and are blind to that which dwells within, but those who have the eye of knowing can see it clearly. Having expounded on the gunas, Krishna began to wrap up his sermon. He concluded, So you see, the man who attends to his own dharma attains success, and one who has attained success this way also attains Brahman, the highest state of knowing. To succeed at this, you must have a pure attitude, be free of attachments to the physical world, eat lightly, be restrained in speech and body, meditate regularly, and be tranquil of mind. When you have achieved this level of self-control and no longer suffer from grief or discontent, you will have supreme loyalty to me. Through that devotion, or bhakti, you shall recognize me, and having truly come to know me, you immediately enter into me. So don't stress. Resign all of your actions to me. Stay disciplined and keep your eyes on the prize. If your thoughts are on me, then through my grace you shall overcome all difficulties. But if you let your ego get in the way, then forget about it. So stick to your dharma, even if your ego tells you not to do it. What I have taught you here is the most secret of secret knowledge. Ponder on it, and then do what is right. Dedicate your dharma to me. Let go of hopes and fears, and I will deliver you from all evil. Don't worry about a thing. Be sure to keep this teaching away from the undisciplined, or those who lack loyalty or attentiveness. Rather, teach this to those who revere me, and you will undoubtedly come to me because nothing could please me more than for you to spread the word among the virtuous. Whoever studies this dialogue will have offered me a sacrifice of knowledge, and the faithful who listen to this 
will be freed and attain the glorious realms. Helping Arjun back on his feet, Krishna asked his friend, So, have you paid attention to my advice? Has your ignorant delusion been dispelled? Arjun replied, Through your grace, my confusion has been banished. My doubts are gone and I am ready. Let's do this. Arjun Dhananjaya then stood up, bow in hand, and slung his inexhaustible quiver over his shoulder. The warriors on both sides began cheering and blowing on their horns. It looked like, finally, the action was about to begin. In the sky, the gods and rishis, led by Indra, took out their folding chairs and beer coolers and settled down to watch the contest. That's all for now. Finally, the battle is about to begin, but there's still one more formality that must take place. Yudhishthira is the master of Dharma, so he'll know what to do. In any case, I promise next time we'll get to some bloodshed, okay? Thanks for listening. <laughs>